Geek. Traditionally, the sorts of fandoms associated with geeks were limited to specific genres or media, science fiction, fantasy, comic books, video games. But now, people are proud to call themselves geeks about any number of things. Cooking, sports, classic rock. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce, and this is Geek 4, a podcast that explores fans and fandom, how people became fans of things, and how that fandom evolved over time, how it's impacted people's lives. Most of us are enthusiasts for something, so tell me, what are you a geek for? One of the things that excites me about this project is getting to talk to people I don't get to talk to enough. I love talking to smart people about the things they're passionate about, and my guest today definitely falls into that category. Alison Alexander is a brilliant writer and an amazing editor. She is the editorial director for Mythos and Inc., a small press with a passion for publishing great stories and the community built around them. Her book, Super Sick, Making Peace with Chronic Illness, was recently launched and is available wherever fine books are sold. Allison, welcome to Geek 4. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Full disclosure for anyone listening, you and I work together on a very geeky project. Yes. Uh, so I know that you are someone who has deep passions for a number of different things that would fall into the traditionally geeky world. What I wanted to talk to you about today is something we've never talked about. Really? We've never talked about this? Never talked about video games. Wow. You have talked about Mass Effect around me, uh-huh. but we've never actually sat down and talked about how you got into video games, why you like video games. So... Tell me about video games and you. All right. So way back when I was a kid, way back, I'm not that old, but we had a Commodore 64. That was our first computer. You know, like with the giant discs. Uh, what? Are, well, I can't remember the inch. Five, five and a half. Five, five and a half floppy yes. disks. And like most of our games had the the title handwritten on the disc like and i have no idea where they came from and we had our collection of games and then we never got any new games we just had this these this stack of discs and that's what we played and it was amazing so it was like you know archon was was like interactive chess and there was jumpman and jumpman junior and like summer and winter olympics Summer Olympics was my jam. Oh, man, it's so good. But some of the games in there, uh, I think it might have been some of the Olympic games. Our parents were like, you have to stop playing this in this game because our joysticks kept breaking because, like, a lot of those games were like, move your joystick back and forth as fast as you can to win this race. And then we would break our joysticks and our parents got tired of replacing them. So those are some good memories. That's so interesting. So like it was you and your family? My uh, brothers, mostly my one brother, just loved video games as well. So I think he really inspired me. He was older and I just loved him and wanted to be him. And so whatever he was into, I was into. That might have been what started it. But then I actually realized I actually do just love video games. Well, you you would have to keep playing. Yeah, exactly. So as you grew up, as as you got older, um, Mm -hmm. how did your love of video games change? I mean, moving from playing because your brother was playing, Mm -hmm. but how did you kind of mark out your own interests in video game? So later we got a Windows 95, and then uh, 
played a lot of like puzzle-ish games, so like Mist and uh, Doctor Brain, all of those ones. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it was so good. <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> Nobody's heard of Doctor Brain. They're amazing. Oh, if you've heard uh, Doctor Brain, send me a tweet. Yes. Um, so I really, I realized I just loved kind of atmospheric puzzle-solving stuff, and then. At some point, my brother borrowed a Nintendo 64 from one of his friends. And with that came a little game called The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And that started a love that has never dwindled in my heart. So I've heard of that one. Yeah. So uh, that's one of my top fandoms ever, I think, is The Legend of Zelda. And then, I don't know, it just expanded from there. Just game after game I would try it and I would game with friends you know we would play like Warcraft 3 and all gather in a room together and it would get really hot and sweaty in there with because I don't know any girls who played it was all like my male cousins and brother and stuff so that's interesting that you bring that up like I'm older than you are um so I started on the Atari 2600 Yes. Talk about joysticks breaking. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, gradually um, got a Nintendo, the original N- Nintendo. Um, there weren't a lot of female gamers. Like, yeah. it really was a, kind of a, a guy's only thing. How has that been? I, I know it's changed a lot. I do. I know there are a lot of female gamers now, but I don't know any. I mean, I know one. Sorry, I know one. I have one female friend who I play League of Legends with, and like, who other is than very that, insulted. You just forgot her. I I I I was thinking of like, yeah, she is insulted. I'm sorry, uh, but uh, other than that, all it's all been male friends. So I think it. I mean, according to my experience, it is still very male dominated, but I do think it is getting a lot better. Um, there still is a stigma, I think. Like, I'll be playing League of Legends and everyone just calls everyone else dude. So you don't know who you're playing with and you're like, I'm a girl, but I'm not going to correct you because either you'll get really annoyed if we lose because then you'll be like, oh, we lost because there's a girl on our team or whatever. And Or you'll be like, what? A girl can't play this good. I've literally seen that comment before. And you're like, come on. So that's that's always a little strange. Uh, And then, of course, you have so many males in the industry who Mm -hmm. are behind these games. So you have a lot of, like scantily clad characters and that's still a thing that happens a lot there's like you know that joke that women wearing armor is like just a bikini and something and it doesn't really protect them at all yeah very practical Um, for fighting yeah so you still i still see a lot of that and i'm like this is annoying i don't need a sexualized character um but I do see some things getting better. You know, more women are getting into the industry. You'll see more interesting female characters who are like fully decked out in armor or not sexualized at all. And some of my favorite games are um, the Mass Effect games and the Dragon Age games, which I find are very diverse characters. Dragon Age still has some 
scantily clad people like Morgan, but I think I'm I'm hoping it's getting better and it will continue to do so. I noticed, I mean, because I've kind of like ebbed and flowed in and out of liking video games and, and, mm. and being obsessed with video games. And I remember um, I was working in a video store early 2000s and that's kind of where I, I got to play N64 for the first time because mm-hmm. I'd been out of it for a while. And I was actually really surprised by how overtly sexual a lot of the games were in their depictions of, of women. And, um, and, and it, yeah, I, I mean, what, what I hear and read, it, it does seem to be an ongoing concern, but also there seems to be some progress. Um, so hopefully that, that continues. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's, it's also um, another thing is, a lot of the time, the character you play is just automatically male, mm. um, and that's still a thing, but it is getting better. So, like, sometimes now there will be games where you can choose. Mm-hmm. Bioware games have that, that you can pick female or male, um, and then other games we are having now that are, oh, you're playing a female character. Uh, Laura Croft is one that is very old. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, she was she's a sexualized character, but at least she's female, I guess. Um, Those shorts have... just not practical for running through the jungle. <laughs> know, I'm right? sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then you have uh, newer games like uh, Senwa's Sacrifice and uh, oh, what's that game with the the red-haired character in medieval i can't remember but there are more games with uh you can only play a female character so i find that refreshing with smartphones and tablets and new devices i've noticed that there's a whole other type of video game that's come out like Mm -hmm. the 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 quick puzzle game just to kind of divert attention Mm -hmm. um do you play those as well Sometimes I find them less satisfying because I'm so used to like this immersive, large experience. And so, you know, I'll play occasionally like word games or uh, there's this little Ruby game that you can download on your phone. I'm a huge fan of the show Ruby. So I tried that out and uh, my husband and I both kind of started playing it at the same time and, and really liked it. But for the most part, I, I don't, play those all that much um and i think there is a stigma around them too like oh you're not a real gamer if you don't play those and that doesn't if, like if i wanted to play them i would that wouldn't hold me back and i think if you do play those games you're a gamer just the same um i just happen to like a more uh more bigger experience and part of my love of video games is like story and character and you don't really get that with the little phone games. It's amazing to me how video games have evolved to the point that, I mean, they're not only cinematic, uh, you know, that, that term gets used a lot, but like it, it's kind of beyond that, like where you can, you're controlling the story and, and then there's, you know, cinematography like, nothing I could have imagined playing Atari 2600 where two blocks shot yeah. at each other. <laughs> like I played uh, on the quarantine. Um, we're in the middle of a pandemic recording this. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I could do 
to turn my brain off was play video games. Like mm-hmm. I, I wasn't able to watch movies. I could hardly watch TV. I just played video games and I finished Red Dead Redemption 2. Ooh, nice. It gutted me. Oh yeah? Like, I haven't it, actually played it. Oh. <laughs> Do I need um, to play it? <laughs> play it. Like uh-huh. not to give anything away. It it uh-huh. takes you on a journey that is unbelievable. So it's interesting you mentioned that because um, I have a chronic illness and I find sometimes video games are just really the best way to distract me from like feeling pain or feeling sick and tired or whatever. So like you, it, you get so immersed into it that it just kind of takes you out of where you are. Um, so I really like that. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of games do you like playing now, Allison? Uh, well, so I said story-based, mm-hmm. uh, character-based. I really love those. So I mentioned Dragon Age and Mass Effect are very much that mm-hmm. way. Um, you make a lot of choices along the way in those games, which I find really interesting because often when there's a lot of choice in a game, the story isn't as good because it's like, oh, you have to come up with all these you know side stories but the stories in those games are so good they did such a good job um and then i uh my husband and i bought a switch for our christmas gifts to each other uh last year and so i finally got the new legend of zelda game which i've been putting off playing because it's open worlds and historically i don't like open world i find it's too big and there's just like you can't be the story's never as good um because it's just i don't know it's just so giant and i just don't enjoy playing them i didn't i played a little bit of skyrim and was like nah this isn't for me i understand why people love it but um but i pl- i had to play this one because it's zelda and really you don't actually play zelda for the story anyway you play it for like the puzzles and stuff um but you play I it for the love exactly but uh i loved it i shocked myself by loving this new zelda game i should have trusted the uh trusted nintendo more um so i play uh i still play league of legends a fair bit i have a group of friends that plays it a lot so um still love puzzle games and i also really like those games where um I don't know what the word puzzle uh, platformer type games where you have to be like really quick with your controls and like jump around and dodge things and do things at the right time. I find those really interesting and fun. So like uh, Ori and the Blind Forest is one of my favorites. Mm. Also beautiful. It's such a gorgeous game. And then right now I'm playing Hollow Knight, which is very similar gameplay to Ori and the Blind Forest. Just extra extra creepier (laughs) it's it's like you're playing this little bug in this land of strange bugs and creatures so i've been having fun with that one lately it is amazing to me i mean it kind of plays off the the thing i was saying earlier about film like it is so incredible how far they've come how far video games have come Mm -hmm. um and how they really do kind of enter into your subconscious one of the times i was house sitting for for a friend of mine uh, who lives outside of the city, like right at the edge of the city. Their backyard goes onto the the, the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels like there's nothing around. And I was playing Resident Evil 4. That's the one where it's kind of like you're in a, 
you're in the forest and people are, you know, doing things. It's not quite as zombie as the other ones. Okay. And it freaked me right out being alone in the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, I don't know if I want to finish this game. Um, and then I had to beat the game so that I felt like I could, I could maybe go outside in the evening. Um, but, you know. I had to stop playing. Um, oh, what's that game called where you're, you go underwater? It's really, it's quite, yeah, it's like an underwater city, bio something, Ooh. Bioshock, Bioshock. Bioshock. Okay. Uh, I had to stop playing that because drowning is like one of my biggest fears. Oh, no. And so you, you swim under that. And so it wasn't just drowning, but this game was so creepy. Like what the, you, the city is like completely empty except for some strange creatures that you come across and i was like i can't play this this is too scary i can't do it anymore but then i played uh Sanwa's sacrifice which is really scary you're playing this uh i don't even know how to describe this game you have to look it up but it's all about like going into hell to find your lost lover and like like you do nor yeah like you do all this uh nordic mythology which is really interesting but it was so creepy and yet i played through that one so i don't know what it is about what i can handle or not but it's, it's interesting. different things i mean the fear yeah. of drowning is pretty it's pretty yeah that might have, yeah. have yeah. played into it if if someone someone were to ask you um about getting into video games they've never played or they, they have limited mm. experience how would you recommend somebody test the waters in video games oh, man. that's a really good question i guess i would find out first if they really like story and then maybe suggest something um more story based or if they really like solving puzzles then i might suggest like legend of zelda um uh i know a lot of non-gamers really love stardew valley and like um What's the other similar game to that? The other famous one. Whatever. They're 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 similar. Um, so it's more like it really depends what I think you might like. I mean, I'm always recommending Mass Effect and Dragon Age to everybody because they're excellent. Also, I love Undertale, which is like uh it's an indie game, uh, which is another interesting thing about games that you don't have to be a giant publishing company to make them anymore you can be a you can be one person and still produce like really amazing games which is what this guy did so it's like an old pixelated style art and it's just a really fun story and you're this playing this little girl who's stuck in the underground with all these monsters and she has to either make friends with them or kill them all to get out <laughs> so so that that is one that i recommend i like choice yeah yeah, choice is great. It's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, for uh, talking about video games. Uh, would you be up for playing a non-video game right now with me? Let's do it. All right, this is called Fast Four. I'm going to give you quick questions, quick response about Hello. just general geeky things in your life. Okay. So, Allison, what is the first thing you were a geek for? Warcraft. What is the geekiest thing you own? Uh, 
my friend Julia made this little stuffy of calcifer from Howl's Moving Castle, and I love it. <laughs> like a little cool. fire demon. That is cool. Yeah. Is there something that you were a geek for that you are no longer? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I want to say like, oh, I used to be a geek. I used to collect Beanie Babies. I was a geek for those. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I remember that trend. <laughs> I do. Yeah. And well done you. <laughs> Thank you. Is there something that you're a geek for that would surprise people? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I think maybe video games is is that answer. Uh, just because I'm a girl and that's still a bit of a stereotype. I'll probably think of a great answer in like 10 minutes once okay. We're, okay. we're done with interview. And as we're wrapping up, can you give a, a quick synopsis of your book, Super Sick? Hmm. Uh, Super Sick is my journey with chronic illness and um, it's also unique because I really love seeing uh, chronic illnesses and disabilities in fiction uh, portrayed well. And so I go into examples of these are fictional stories that I loved that uh, have actually chronically ill characters. And they, it was actually really difficult to come up with enough examples for each chapter because I realized those examples don't exist uh, in as many numbers as I would like them to. And so it was really neat to explore those and share my own story of what I've gone through and, and hopefully maybe help other people find some peace with their own chronic conditions. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. And is um, what's up with Mythos and Inc.? What, anything exciting coming up in the next little oh, while? Yes. We are about to publish our first fantasy novel by Alberta author Shelley Campbell. It's called Under the Lesser Moon. It's a really dark tribalistic fantasy with dragons and I just love it and I'm really excited for people to see it and read it and we're doing the cover reveal in a couple weeks and then so you can stay tuned for that and then uh, it's going to be published in November. And we're also publishing uh, a book called Area of Effect, which you might be familiar with, Michael Boyce, because you wrote some articles for it. Yes, I was going to say, does anyone have four articles in that, in that, in that book that uh, you might want to uh, mention? This really great, sarcastic person that I know. <laughs> my favorite prof. Thank when you. I when I was back in uh, doing my English major, wrote four articles for this book, so you need to pick it up. Yeah, I I have said this to a number of people recently, just talking about you know different writing projects and stuff. Uh, the area of effect years are, I mean, those are some of my favorite years of writing because oh, it was just such a great community. And I know that you're um, one of the focus foci with mm -hmm. um with mythos and inc is um is building up community not just publishing mm -hmm. stuff but actually fostering young writers and and fostering voices and i just yeah. i think it's such a great project yes we actually have a discord community for people who love sci-fi and fantasy books who love reading them and who love writing them so look that up and join if you're if you're a lover of sci-fi and fantasy All right where can people find you on social media uh, you can find me on Twitter at Allison E. Vander. 
and same for Instagram. And my website is aealexander.com and I have a blog that I occasionally post things in and you can learn about my books and stuff. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for.